0: Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. Why? Why did we just stand for the reading of the Gospel? Well, it's similar to how the the crowd in a courtroom is asked to stand as a judge walks in because a person of great importance is here. In fact, the person who will in the end decide our eternal fate is here. Through the words and the works of Jesus, he is present right here with us. We stand for the Gospel out of reverence, his presence here. We read from Luke's Gospel, chapter 19, beginning at verse 28. After Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he came near to Bethphagee and Bethany at the place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, Go to the village ahead of you. When you enter it, you will find it cold-tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you why are you untying it, you will say this, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found things just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? They said, The Lord needs it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus. They threw their robes on the colt and set Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their robes on the road. As he was approaching the slope of the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He replied, I tell you, if these people would be silent, the stones would cry out. This is the gospel of our Lord, we pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear fellow redeemed friends in Christ, Jesus who comes to save us, who came to Bethlehem to save us, who comes here through word and sacrament to save us, who will come finally to save us out of this wretched world of sin. In your normal everyday lives, if someone is preaching at you, that's not a good thing. You don't want to be preached at or preached to. But ever since God first spoke with Adam... He has wanted his word, his name, to be proclaimed, to be preached. Christians have always treasured the preaching of the word of God because it is through the word that the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts to, to first of all create the gift of saving faith in Jesus and then also to enliven us, to empower us for, for life in this world and to give us the hope that this world is not all there is. We treasure Christian preaching, truly Christian gospel, Christ-centered Preaching. There are three things that you should look for in any sermon that you are hearing. First of all, there should be specific law, a place where the text and the pastor tell you this is where you have sinned, this is where you have earned God's wrath, this is what makes it impossible for you to earn your own way into heaven. There should also be specific gospel, which specifically tells you what Jesus has come to do to save you from your sins. And then third, there should also be an application, a a portion of application that you can take out of here and and apply to your own day-to-day personal life. So just briefly taking this text, where do we find those three elements in here? This is Palm Sunday. This is Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. What were all these people doing there in Jerusalem in the first place? Well, they were preparing to celebrate the Passover. The Sunday before, Palm Sunday as we know it, was generally the day that they picked out the lamb that they were going to slaughter later on the actual day of Passover. They were there to remember how God had freed them from their slavery in Egypt. They were there to remember how lambs had to die to spare them. The blood of the lamb painted on the doorpost was a stark reminder that they didn't deserve to be freed from their slavery. And neither do we. We may not feel like slaves, but we are certainly slaves to sin and death and the devil. If you doubt that, just try not dying. If you doubt that, just ask the people around you how you have hurt them with your words and your actions. Our lives are littered by the proof of our sinfulness that we are enslaved to sin, that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves. There's nothing we can do to stop sinning. Jesus was coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to fix that. He was coming to free us from our slavery, not using the blood of lambs, but using his own precious blood as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the specific gospel. Jesus has done what we could never do, free us from our our slavery to sin, death, and the devil. Now, how does that apply to your daily life? What difference does that make as you're going about your business at the end of November here and into December as we're looking ahead to Christmas. Well, it became pretty clear here in our text that Jesus coming into Jerusalem was disruptive, right? It was an interruption for a lot of the people there. They were focused on kind of what we are, getting ready for the festivities, the, the planning, the, the menu, the, the gathering, for their feast of, of Passover, just as we are these days before Christmas, getting ready for all of the, the stuff that's going on around Christmas, the baking, the gift buying, the, the parties, the, the gathering with family and friends. Jesus was interrupting them to remember that it's not just about the party surrounding Passover. And he's here today with us to remind us it's not about the gifts or the cookies or the lights or any of that stuff. That's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ. Christmas is about how Christ had to come down to this earth to be born as a man in order to save us from our sins. That is disruptive. And Advent is supposed to be disruptive. It is to be a penitential time of the year when we are once again reminded of our sins because it's so easy for us to become complacent and to think, well, I'm not really that bad. I mean, I can turn on the evening news and I can see people who are a lot worse than I am. I'm not as terrible as that guy who, who drove into that parade and killed a bunch of people. I'm okay. Advent is a time where we need to be shown once again the seriousness of God's law and how it applies to all of us, how none of us are good enough to be accepted by him. It is an interruption, not only in that sense that it snaps us out of our complacency, but also that it's inconvenient. Is it convenient for us to come back here on Wednesday night when it's cold and we could be doing other things and the kids have homework and the dishes aren't done yet? Is that convenient? No. And it's not supposed to be. It is supposed to get in the middle of our routine to snap us out of maybe the the worldly Christmas spirit that it's so easy for us to fall into. That it's not about the cookies. It's not about the family gathering. It's not about any of those things. You could, you could get rid of all of that and you could have the best Christmas ever. And remembering that, hopefully, takes some of the stress out of your life these days. That if you don't get all the lights hung on the on the rafters, it's okay. It's still Christmas. That if if some of your family is sick or can't make it, you can't have that gathering, it's okay. It's still Christmas. Jesus was still born for you. Take a deep breath and remember that. the Christmas is not on you. It's not on you to, to do the preparations, to do anything to please God. He's our, that's why Jesus came. He came to make God, to please God for you. Advent keeps our focus where it should be. It's not on all the external things because one day all these things are going to burn up in the fire on the last day. Christmas is about Christ coming to save us and Advent is about us coming here maybe a few more times this next month for Jesus to come to us and to save us. Amen.